The rise of South Shields Football Club has caught the attention of many in the world of English football, from playing village teams in front of nobody to two steps away from the Football League. It has been near impossible not to come across the story this club is writing. He's got Aaron Martin in the middle. This is dangerous. It's more than dangerous. It's 3-1 to South Shields. This is Word on Wayside. I'm Dom Aberdeen. Toby Phipps joins me. And this is the tale of the sad Burnley rejects. You got the power to know you're indestructible. But this meteoric ascent hasn't come overnight, and a man who knows this better than anyone is Dan Prince, once a voluntary cameraman, now head of communications at the club. He sat down with Toby Phipps. Thanks for joining us, Dan. No problem. You've been at the club for some time now, over mm-hmm. 10 years. So how has the club progressed and changed in that time? So massively, really. So when I first joined, the club had just lost this ground, which has been here since 1992. Um, so we were forced to play in Peter Lee, which is 20 miles away. So back then... We still didn't get any sponsors, any fans, and players down to volunteers. And it was really just about keeping the club alive. So that two-year period was all about that. And then over the last eight years, it's been a transformation from a, a Northern League Division 2 set up to what you see now in the National League North. And it's fully professional here now, mm. which is it obviously wasn't before. So how did that come about and how tricky was it sort of pulling that off? Yeah, it was, it was a... We did it gradually, so we started with a hybrid model. So I think it was during the season of COVID, we, we started to migrate to a hybrid model where half the first team would be training full-time, half would be training just on a Tuesday and Thursday night. I found real challenges with that sort of setup because we weren't getting much recovery time. So the hybrid model didn't really didn't really work for them. So that's why they decided to go fully professional. The timing wasn't ideal because we were on course to win promotion in the COVID year, and that would have made it an easier transition into a National League North club. So we had to make that step earlier as a Northern Premier League club, which was a, a big financial gamble for the club. Dan talking there about the financial risks that come with trying to transition into a professional club during the COVID year. I mean, it's kind of worked out now. As he says, there is risk and reward in this part of football, but I do think it has worked out for the best and they have found their feet now. I mean, absolutely. But I think the most impressive thing there is they weren't professional in the seventh tier. I mean, how many teams in the seventh tier are, yeah. are fully pro? And even in the league they're in now, in the National League North, not every team's fully pro. In fact, it's probably mostly semi-pro in this league. So to take that risk in the seventh tier was incredible. And for it to have pulled off like it did and they got promoted, I think it probably helped them in their transition up. Because yeah. you can help attract better players if you're fully professional and you're just uh, set up better for adjusting to the new league. And this was all done under the ownership of one man, Jeff Thompson, who's been at the club since 2015 now. Jeff Thompson, who's just announced it's for sale. I mean, how vital has he been for the progression of the club? It wouldn't have happened without him. So he was the one who brought us back here from Peter Lee. He heard about the plight of the club. He had a bit of a historical connection to the club through his uncle, I believe, who took him to some games when he was a, a child. And that's where it all sort of started. He was the owner of Utility Wise. The club approached him for some sponsorship and that's how it all started. So he became, I think he offered a sponsor stand to begin with in Peter Lee. And then as he got to know the story of the club, you made his mission to bring us back here. So he bought this facility here, brought the club back, and then from then on, he's always stated his ambition is to bring us as high in the pyramid as he possibly can. And that's brought us up four leagues so far. And how far do you think this sort of journey could go? Obviously, I think Football League, is that an attainable goal? I think so. I mean, it all depends on the backing that the club has, both in terms of financially, in terms of the ownership, but also in terms of how well backed it is from the from the business community and the 
the supporter base as well. So I think we need to continue to grow that in order to have a football league ready club. Obviously, there's a lot of things that can go in the way of getting in the football league. A lot of clubs around the country have similar ambitions. So it's about how we stay ahead of the curve on that sort of thing. And that's maybe what Jeff's looking for with this potential sale of the club or sale of certain parts of his shares to try and attract investors that might have that ambition, the same ambition that he has, really. And another man that's been here for a number of years now is Julio Arca, who's currently first team manager, but was a, a legend as a player. Mm-hmm. How great has he been for the club? He's been unbelievable. So I would say second only to Jeff really on this journey would be Julio. Um, when we came back from Peter Lee, we were getting good crowds of, say, where we thought were good at the time, between 200 and 400 people coming. And we thought that was a massive step forward from where we were in Peter Lee and where we were before that. But his first game, well, he got announced as a sign on the Friday. On the Saturday, he wasn't eligible to play, but he came along and the crowd jumped to 600. He played the next week and it was up to 800. We had a non-league day a couple of weeks later, went up to 1,000. And then from then, it just became a bit of a snowball effect and everyone was talking about the club and he was integral to it, just seeing how much the club meant to him and how much it still meant to him to play at that age. I think it was just an example for all the other players and, and it just sort of linked people to the club more than they would have ordinarily. It became something that they all, they all really cared about. So he, he helped the club win three promotions as a player. Now he's back as a manager to try and take us on the next step. So he's been central to everything we've done, really. And you mentioned the sort of the rising crowds there. How nice has it been to see this club growing in the community and the town of South Shields? Yeah, it's been brilliant because if you wind back the clock, probably eight, nine years, you would not see any sort of South Shields merchandise in the town. You just walk around, you'll see Newcastle, Sunderland tops, maybe Man United, Liverpool tops as well. But now it's not uncommon if you walk down the street of South Shields, you'll see more South Shields tops, hats, scarves than you will most other clubs. So I think we've got a long way to go to try and embed ourselves even more but I think the, what, the work that the club does and the foundation does in the community as well in terms of the school projects that we do that's what's really been the key to sort of open up this, these new audiences for us and we just have to continue that as much as we can. I think as Dan mentioned there obviously the rise of the club in the community I mean that's, that's something that is absolutely massive for any football club. Yeah absolutely Dan goes on about how people are starting to wear South Shields merchandise around the town it's kind of starting to be a one-club town, which is obviously going to be a hard task when you think about the northeast being just very sun and Newcastle oriented. The community around the club is just growing and growing, and it kind of fits in with the rise of the club. It just all complements each other. The the pieces of the jigsaw feel like they're coming together quite nicely. I think it also goes nicely hand in hand with Julio Arca, who Dan was just mentioning there. I mean, the guy just lives and breathes South Shields and. If there was anyone to take them on this journey and help boost their image, it was always going to be Julio. I mean, obviously, me and you both know him from his time as a Sunderland player, fan favourite there. And it seems from the minute he walked through the door at Shields, it's just been a breath of fresh air. The attendances were just shooting up the minute he came in and when he was eligible to play. They obviously got to an FA Vars final with him there. I believe he was captain as well. Robert Briggs, who was a player when Julio Arca first came to Shields, he's still a player now. It must be weird for him having his former teammate, who he was there before, now being his manager. It's just it's funny how little things work out like that, but I suppose that's just how much of an influence Julio has had on the club. But it wasn't just Dan you sat down with, Toby, was it? It was also current South Shields players, John Lafudu and Lira Kasani, and... John had the most to say, especially how he's kind of adapted to life in Shields. You've become something of a fan favourite in your time at the club. We've seen the, 
the Congo branch as they're called now. Oh, yeah. You were in you were in with any other week when you were suspended. How did that come about and what was that like for you? Um well I mean I, I love playing for the fans because fans are, are the one that gets the team not they normally keep going, you know. Um we're so fortunate to have so many fans in our ground. So I try to give everything, you know, just give everything to the fans, give everything, you know, because when they come down, you know, they they, they get the ticket, they pay for the ticket, you know, to come and watch me. So the least I can do is give up, give hundred percent on the pitch, and then at the end of the game, you know, go show my gratitude to them, you know. And I guess the fans likes it, and I like it. It's just we, you know, it just we just we clicked. I think we just clicked from day one, and then now we just keep it going. But not everything has been plain sailing for John at South Shields. There was an infamous incident regarding Chorley. Yes, he was uh, late for the game. He made his own way to Chorley and uh, missed the start of the warm-up and wasn't able to play. Uh, Chorley away. Uh, what was, happened there? Was it, um, it was a bad crash on the way when he was going there. It was a very, very bad crash on the way. The car could not, could not move, really, to be honest. And then end up being being late. And... Uh, what did Julio say to you when you you um, turned up and during the warm up? To be honest, they weren't they weren't happy. They weren't happy. I I, I wasn't happy with myself either. You know, even though I set off like to be in the, I set off at, like one hour earlier because I knew there would be traffic on the way during that time, especially like big time. So I set off early like, to be like I, I saved that one hour, but then it was not enough. It was not enough to be uh, to be honest. And then I reached Chorley. Uh, reach the the stadium, trying to find the stadium. I was always be hidden, so I had to get one of one of their fans to jump in my car to show me the way. Yeah, it was just a nightmare, nightmare day. And you've sort of bounced back from that yeah. really well, sort of back in the team now. How happy are you that you did manage to sort of put that behind you? Um, I'm so happy. So you know, uh, in a situation like that, you just have to, you know, um, come back stronger. You know, prove. Just do what you, what you normally do in training, you know. Um, be good in training, and when you get your chance to play, just do good. So you don't, you know, you give Gaffer something to think about. Oh yeah, I. So that that's what I did, and just we're back now, and then hopefully no more driving to the games, to the away games anymore. Just jump on the coach, and that's it. <laughs> I mean having to get a fan of the opposition to jump into your car to show you where the ground is does it get any more non-league than that it won't happen in the Premier League that's no for sure. it is such a funny story and I feel like I don't know the more I listen to John's stories the more of a character he becomes and I understand why he's such a fan favourite with the Shields supporters I mean I guess he won't be as popular with his former club Spenny Town as he did go back there a few games ago and managed to win 5-2 how nice is it to go back to your old club and, and get one over on them? Oh, yeah, it's, it's always nice, isn't it? It's always nice to go back to your old club and then win. So, which we did, you know, which we did. I've got so much respect for Spennymore. Uh, they're a good team. They're a good team. I think they, I think they would do good as well. But, yeah, it's always nice to go there, to go back to where you were and then get three points from them the in the minus the middle, did as well. And arriving is Asani! <laughs> And it's 4-1. How nice is that for you as players, for the fans to beat a local rival like that? Oh yeah, the atmosphere was uh, unreal, and like just the the away support we had, like 
the whole game you could hear them and it just drove us on I think it added to our performance and you know like you said we, we had a really good performance and sent the fans home happy I think 5-2 away at a local rival in your debut season in this higher league it doesn't get much better than that it doesn't know and I mean that's great for the fans obviously that result bragging rights over a local rival is always nice I mean, there's just so many big games in this division for Shields now. I mean, you could argue that every game's going to be big when it's your first season in the National League North. However, there's just some teams that you argue, how could they be in the same league as little old South Shields? I mean, the biggest, the elephant in the room, you could say, is Scunthorpe United. I mean, yeah, this is a team that was in the Championship, the second tier of English football in 2010. A massive team, and for... South Shields, yes, it's sad that Scunthorpe are sort of have fallen how they have, but for South Shields, it's absolutely massive to be able to go and play teams like that. Yeah, credit has to go to the rise of Shields as well as the downfall of Scunthorpe. The fact that these are competing as equals is just it's the magic of football, really. It shows you how turbulent it can go either way. Absolutely, and for Shields to be as close as they are to Scunthorpe in the table speaks volumes as well. How much did it sort of mean for the club, do you think, their act to be playing a team like Scunthorpe United on a sort of level footing? Scunthorpe were in the Championship just over a decade ago. How incredible was that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, experiences like that, not just for the players, but for the fans as well. Like, it's obviously, like you said, 10 years ago, the differences in the leagues would have been astounding. But now to be in the same league, competing with, obviously, a club of that stature, like, it's a great experience for everyone. And I think... The main thing is just for fans and players just to enjoy it, like just enjoy every game and every every game's a new experience for all of us. So just enjoy, just enjoy the whole season, really. One final thing: How's the season going for Shields? Give us a prediction. Top of the league. Top of the league. I'll go. I'll go. Right, yeah, top of the league. Well, there you go. You yeah, heard it. You definitely. heard it. Heard it here first. South Shields are going to win the league. Thanks a lot, lads. Got, you, you can't forget to say up the Mariners. <laughs> Thank you to John Lafudu, Lira Kasali and Dan Prince for their time with us. This has been the tale of the sad Burnley rejects. This has been Word on Wearside. I've been Dom Abedin. I've been Toby Phipps. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.